<laughs> July 28, 2021. It's a lot from Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Started the show off with John Coltrane Felonious Monk doing the short version Histrophy, the composition from Mr. Monk there. And then we had Bill T. Miller with Bungalow Bill Art Odyssey Sessions 1976. And you might have heard that I'm not man alone because of those Skype, well, I should say Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I've got all the way from Boston, Mr. Bill T. Miller. Welcome aboard, Bill. Bill T. Miller. Bill T. Miller. Bill T. Miller. Bill from Boston. (laughs) <laughs> wow, Watt's got a problem with that. Bill T. Miller. Bill T. Miller. Okay, no more problems. There you go. Brother Bill, uh, please. Matt can edit it. <laughs> okay. Sorry, go ahead. Please bring for us your earliest musical recollection. Well, it's a long, convoluted stream of memories because it was many decades ago. I was born in 56. Oh, one year before what? Yeah. And um, Elvis was hitting the charts on May 4th on my birthday. And my mom, or later, Mick Jagger was born on her birthday, but Chuck Berry was on his birthday, on my dad's birthday. Anyway, fast forward to my second birthday. Uh, Super 8 films rolling, my mom's shooting it. My dad's there with me, his younger sister, who's about halfway between us in age, so kind of like a big sister to me in a weird way. She's sitting there, and they whip out this toy piano. I whip it out of the box as a birthday present. Red toy piano, start banging. They're showing me how to bang, and I'm bing, 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 hitting the keys. <laughs> My dad hands me a little music with maybe Mary Had a Little Lamb or Row, Row, Row Your Boat or something on it, and I toss that aside and go into full-on bang mode. And there's Super 8 film with this. And then uh, and then I proceed to eat cake and become addicted to sugar and music forever. <laughs> Now, you think one of the reasons why you can recall a two-year a memory when you're two-year-old is because exactly. it's because it got filmed on the Super 8? Exactly. That's why I mentioned that clearly. I mean, it's almost every memory I have before, I don't know, seven years old is only induced by the pictures or the films. So I didn't really even know that it happened. Decades later, I resaw the film and go, wait, and I just bought a toy piano a few months ago. And coincidentally, it looked just like that one red toy piano. I mean, granted, there's only no accident, Bill. That was no accident. Yeah, and all the, all the memories, and that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, I really don't have that memory. That's why I was thinking convoluted memories, you know. What, what can I ask you? You said Super 8, so there was probably no audio, right? No audio. That's the sad part, but now everything's built in. So you were fucking, so absolutely- mi- you were miming it. You were doing a little Marcel Marceau. Well, I was playing the hell out of it, having no know, clue what the was document, going on. The document is only shows the mime version. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Bill... And- Besides yeah. that toy piano, which was a gift for the second B day, which is pretty yeah. bitching of your family. For oh my, yeah, they're great. Invest in your future like that. But uh, was there other instruments in the pad you grew up? So that was actually, believe it or not, I was well, not believe it or not, actually, I was born in Charlottesville, Virginia, and my dad was going to UVA doing starting his PhD as a I was scientist. Going to say college town, Mr. Jefferson's town. Yeah, so we were there in that toy piano moment. And I don't really know what was going on at that age, of course, but you fast forward a few years and um, there's bits of stuff going on in that my dad had a stereo system that was high tech. He was a scientist and had books. And then he had and he had a whole row, of maybe 100 records, maybe more. I don't remember of classical and jazz. And so he had the stereo. That was his main hobby. He didn't really have anything but books in this. And he had, you know, two EV 15 inch speakers, tweeters separate preamp and and you know that his whole thing was invested in that he didn't have a lot of frills and you know worked as a teacher so he ended up being becoming a college teacher eventually 
So he this is uh, he was teaching at Hampton Sydney outside of Richmond, Richmond, Virginia, right. and uh, he's got this stereo, so he's playing jazz and classical. And my mom's uh, quite the great mom, and later became a kindergarten teacher, and so she's probably playing you know kids records from I could list a bunch, but you know what I mean, where she rhymes. Sure, and, sure. And so uh, these are the days when they called a, a sound system like that a hi-fi. Exactly, high fidelity, hi-fi stereophonic sound. Right, and, right. and and it was crazy. So later I figured out somewhere in there that he had a ukulele and a baritone ukulele, which I still have later. He, he's he's in just about turn 90 and he gave that to me a while back. Oh, and so I plunked on that a little bit. He showed me Ain't She Sweet, which I believe is that Hank Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Hey, Good Looking. Or maybe it's the other way around. Hey, maybe Good Looking is Hank Williams for sure. D. Boone used yeah, to do Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. But anyway, so he showed me those. But somewhere in there, I figured out he had a clarinet in the closet. And he had been playing clarinet when he was going to college with his brother and had a little jam thing that they did. And, you know. Uh, so there's music my, in the family. Yeah, but not pro, not pro not stuff. Pro, and he yeah, pretty yeah, much, right. once he started having a family, I'm the oldest of three. He put those aside and started concentrating on his science career and taking care of family. So I don't remember him. So, pursuing so, any level but he definitely has the jam in him and he loved music he was a you know hi-fi collector and he'd wire up some speakers and stuff like that right, so that's listen, where my engineering listen. came uh, from you know to to get into music i think you got to learn to listen too so i think that's important oh, and and you're saying you're the oldest but you call your sister your big sister why Cause no she, no so i'm the oldest son and I have two younger brothers. Now, oh, my dad's okay, younger now. sister, who was eight years old, eight years older than me and eight years younger than my dad, yeah. give or take a year. I got it. Was kind of like my big sister, like my youngest brother, seven years. Now we're getting into too much math. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so she and she's very pivotal, pivotal. She's very important. Edit that out. She's very important. Um, in the, uh, my dad's younger sister in that. Most kids, if they have an older brother or sister, they can kind of show them some stuff. And I didn't really have that. So. Oh, it's your aunt. She's your aunt. Yeah, she's okay. your aunt. Yeah. Or aunt in Virginia, as they yeah, would that's say. Right. Aunt, that's aunt, right. You know, that's right. Aunt. Or pop. Anyway. And so, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so she is important. That's why I mentioned her. She was there at the toy piano. at She was probably 10 years old. Okay. And okay, so I later she's in her teens. And we zip forward to. Uh, well, actually, when we're up there playing the piano, and my grandfather was uh, president of Madison College up in Harrisonburg, Virginia, in the mountains. So we're up there playing his, he had a, toy, a grand piano, and I got to bang on that. And wow. she's right there with us, me and my middle brother. And I remember immediately somewhere, I always remember going to the bass strings, you know, bass is a space, and I was already in it. And I was, and I was like, <laughs> boom. And, and I found that pedal, which I could barely reach. So I'm reaching in one side, hitting the bass. I don't know. I'm, Ten and I, I don't even know. No, probably eight. And I'm hitting the bass pedal, getting the sustain, and bringing that thing. And then later, yeah. I'd pluck the bass strings. So that was probably when I started to really have a real instrument in my hands. Well, well, let me ask you about school. Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? Oh no, we're we were skipping way ahead on that. But but no, um, the closest thing I came to was early grade school. They had the flutophone. Which is a little plastic flute with like basically holes. Like Got a what? Uh, like a, rec uh, a recorder. Recorder, yeah. And they called it the flutophone, and it had a little bell end on the end. But it was exactly like a recorder. Exactly. Right. It was it's diatonic. Recorder. It's got holes. And so I remember trying that for whatever that year was I was. I'm thinking fourth, I don't know, fifth grade. I don't even know. And I learned basic kind of how to decipher music. The, uh, what is it, every. Every boy must. I don't even Every remember it day. now. You know, the, 
You F-A- mean about how to, how to read music on the staff? Yeah, but paper. there was a, every good boy every does boy fine deserved. always. <laughs> yeah, it was different. Anakin, All cars you know. eat gas. Yeah, it's different for the bass, different for the treble. Can, yeah. can you it's remember like, the I, first record I, I you bought? I read a little bit. Sorry, can, go ahead. can you remember the first record you bought with your own money? And this is the pivotal real memory. So I was I was making sure we got. I mean, I knew you were going to get to that. And this is the real memory that I have. It's very clear. And it goes back to uh, Christmas, which is when you get, you know, that's when you get stuff and you can get records and you get stuff. And, you know, I, mean, I don't sound greedy, but let's just face it. That's what a kid looks forward to. It's Christmas birthday. And, and anyway, so fast forward, we're in Christmas. And I literally know every detail of this because this is a story that I've, this is really the first real memory. And so we're in, in uh, the basement in this, uh, in, in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And my dad's younger sister, my aunt, essentially, who's like a big sister, seven years old, but we only saw her once in a while. She says, have you, have at my records. And she points us to the records in the basement. And there, you know, is a glowing something is classic tale for every kid from the sixties, the Beatles record. Da da. <laughs> and it's, uh, I want to hold your hand. So the 45's there, and I crank it, and I crank it over and over, and I'm I'm psyched, and I'm going. Of course, I'm immediately scheming, being a greedy little kid, and how can I get one of these? And she's, oh, you know, you can. They're right down the street in the store. So it's the 23rd of December. Immediately bounced down there, score. I want to hold your hand, seven inch, and be, it had been out a year, and I had never heard of the Beatles at that point, even can though I, they was the hit. store. Can I ask you if it was a drugstore? Because there wasn't really a lot of. Oh no, it's the memory is so vague. You know, I okay. do. You know, I just don't know. I couldn't say. Because I remember buying my first 45 at a Lucky's at a drugstore. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what was that? American Woman by the Guest. Oh right, right. <laughs> Great move. Good riff. I'm always looking for the riff. You know. That is a riff. You know, yeah. it's trippy, too, because it, it really don't have a backbeat. It's more like a Native uh, American kind of beat. It's a That's trippy great. thing. And, well, yeah. Lester Bangs was, you know, that was the, that was his band, him and Lou, guess who, and Lou Reed. Lester Bangs, the critic, you know, that was oh, his Oh, sure, thing. sure, Cream Max. Later I learned that. Uh, but, I, I, so, think they you know, were, uh, I think they were from Winnipeg. Oh, that makes sense. Canadian, I didn't know where. So, but the next, so then the next day, I'm I'm in full-on hustle mode, and I convinced them to go back, and this is going to be Christmas Eve, and it's crazy. I said, this is going to be crazy there, and I said, we'll just shoot it in and out. And uh, so we got, I said, I wanted this album. I convinced them that that would be my super Christmas present and birthday if it had to be, probably. <laughs> and so I got the Beatles 65 album, which came out literally a week before. And so I, t- and I took that back, and we, we were to our, to, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, still rolling? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, some motherfucker so tried to call. I hung up on him, Bill. That's cool. You you got fans there. <laughs> Probably my sister, so I, Melinda. <laughs> oh, she's thinking. Well, I'm talking about my big sister, sort of. The pseudo <laughs> big sister. So, so what so happens? Anyway. There's a lot of so, drama on Christmas Eve here. Exactly. It was so cool. So the next, so the July 23rd, I mean, I'm sorry, December 23rd, jam into the store, grab the Beatles 65 record. But I don't think... There was a 12-inch record player there. So we get back to our home and uh, 60 miles or 100 miles away in Virginia. And my dad says, here's where you make a decision. If you play that tw- that album on your mother's you know, lo-fi record player, you can never play it on my diamond needle. And the diamond needle was like exaggerated <laughs> into, into some kind of. But if you want to, if you want to play it on this, that's where it has to be played. So I chose Beatles 65 album on his stereo and the low five and the seven inch on my mom's stairs, so I could rock it any time I wanted to. Yeah, so. right. Device independent. So that first record story, I told you that I had that. That's embodied in my head so much. 
Uh, and like I, I've been working on this pseudo documentary of myself for for decades without knowing it. And later I've come up with a working title, Bill T. Miller, A Legend in His Own Mind, inspired by my brother when I asked him, tell me about your brother, BTM Rockstar. And he goes, Bill T. Miller, or BTM, A Legend in His Own Mind. So, and, and but the problem is with the documentary is I don't really have, I have a lot of medium ups and downs, but no, mega stardom and mega rags to riches story. So I'm trying to figure out an ending. So I've been putting off finishing it for years. But I started researching a lot of this stuff, and that's how I know some of the dates and I, the memories are brought up into my head because I've been kind of building a documentary timeline as it became sure, a video sure. editor. The, 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 so. the uh, self-examined life, right? Yeah. It's, something, uh, it's at the root of philosophy. Uh, it's worth living, right, I suppose. I want to play – you gave me this thing, Overture Remix. Yeah. This is Bill T. Miller from Out of Band Experience, and you're listening to OBE Radio. By frequency modulation, these relayed programs are transmitted from station to station, from city to city, and from mountaintop to mountaintop without telephone connections by means of crystal clear FM. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. Call now. Just grab your micro deck and your magic amulet, and you will be on your way to enlightenment. Are you looking for a new way of thinking and understanding the meaning of life? OBE is the answer you seek. Amulet. There is no magic. It's a brand new season on OBE TV. Oh. Oh. 
sciocca, salata salata, voglio solo una frittata, una frittata, una frittata.
I'm just listening to this swan.
love is love is universal. You see, we're dealing in opposites here. Everything's in reverse, you might say. world and looking for sounds that may not even be possible.
in the waves of love and the ocean of love flows in the waves of life. Watch for Pedro show. That was out of band experience OBE people with Overture Remix. Then we had brand new from Succumb. Okeanos. <laughs> Probably ruined that fucking language. Sorry, forgive me. Uh, brand new out of Italy. E-E-E-E. Maybe that's how you pronounce it. A basta pasta, huh? No more pasta. <laughs> enough. I'm getting <right>? hungry. <laughs> well, this is like enough, right, basta? So, and then, and then uh, part A6 of Lagoon Monster Rubber Mass. This Bronze uh, Age UFO out of uh, Baltimore. Their cassette. Uh, just this month. Brand new. Love this band. Parallel System, System 32. Almost to the end now. The Ra- Rambutan Project. Uh, Eric Hardiman. This time he's along with uh, Pete Fosco, Ali Robertson, Jennifer Galanow, Holland Hobson, Owen Curry. All right. And then Bombs Printed after that. DC area, not too far. Where you, uh, your early stuff was there, Bill. Night Before Pale Ends. Ruth Meskelly. One for the Voyeurs out of New Orleans. Great stuff. Brand new. And then finally, this from you, Bill. Kings uh-huh. of Feedback. Whispers. So Whispers of Madness. Right. Now, what about, I'm not talking about after school like graduate, but in the afternoon. Well, first you got to tell me the first gig you saw, please. Okay. Now, that's a doozy, too. Uh, so, Beatles Head, and then I was absorbing all the Brit bands I could find. You know, I, I could go in a long story there, but I'll just skip that. You can take that for what it is. We can list the bands in our heads. Animals, so, kinks. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the song list for the band that I had, that I started. What about Jimmy? Were you into Jimmy? So, so yeah, lot? this is, yeah, this is the punchline and you oh, hit okay. it right on the head. I mean, it's, if you said, who are your favorite 60s bands, the list would be endless, but Beatles and Jimmy would be right up there. Because so, Jimmy gets uh, his, as far as us U.S. rock and roll people, we know him from an English power trio. Yeah. Even though he'd been working years before in the Chitlin circuit. Oh, yeah. Fucking played I, I mean, in I've studied Richards the history. And I, yeah. yeah. So Beatles had got a, got a uh, in 66, I got a, uh, we were in Richmond, and I got a, and we'd moved to North Carolina by then, and I got a, um, to a college that my dad was teaching at. And I got the Beatles 16 magazine when we visited, visited Richmond for Christmas and it had the Beatles are playing Shea Stadium and Forest Hills and uh, whatever. And I'm like, I gotta go. you know, I'm like, again, in hustle mode, I gotta go. I gotta go. And he's like, it's not going to happen. You know, I got two or three kids now. I forget where I'm in the timeline. So anyway, so a year later I go, Hey, the monkeys, that fake TV band, which I knew was comedy parody of the Beatles that we've been watching on TV are playing in Charlotte. You know, so we're a hundred miles from Charlotte, North oh, Carolina. Shit, he had Jimmy opened up. And did. Jimmy opened up one of like I don't know five or six shows. Right, he started they stopped in Florida. It. Yeah, he didn't stop in whole Virginia. Tour, right, they stopped. I think yeah. we could look up the numbers, but all I know is so I'm going to see the Monkees. I know who they are. Nobody knows who, like you were saying, nobody in mainstream knows who Jimmy is. Right. He's well known within the circuit, certain circuits in New York and in Seattle, of course. So I show up, the Monkees. Some I think I we'll go a couple open acts play, and then this dude comes out just roaring right into it plays his stuff and i'm going wow what you know you know i knew blues i understood what the blues was and i I was like wow this is some heavy blues i don't know what i thought really i'm (laughs) 1967 so what am i 11 i don't know 10 or 11 yeah 
But anyway, so anyway, so the next thing, and so he ends, and it's like he jumps in wild thing, and I hear down, down. You know, I hear the riff. Drugs. Of course, I'm I'm a riff man already. Yeah. And I hear the riff, and I go, well, maybe that's that song I heard on the AM radio on Cousin Brucie from New York. I listened to eh, on radio on the AM. Because maybe that's them. Because I, you know, I don't remember the back announcement on the Trogs when I heard that. And so for literally three months, a couple of months, that's what I thought. I'd heard, you know, that was the band who did Trogs. And so, but at the end of it, so the, they, they say the kids didn't like them or whatever. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I was, I was pretty far up in the rafters. I didn't, I'm sure that it was like any band. They all wanted the star, right. the headliners. Nobody cared. So Jimmy, the way I remember the story, and I probably exaggerated the fishtail a little bit to make it bigger than it is. So Jimmy, <laughs> at the end. He's like holding up his guitar and feeding it back, and he throws it up in the air. Literally just hurls it straight up over his head. Now it was probably eight feet, six feet, but in my mind it went up twenty feet in the air. Yeah, of course, landed in a puddle of feedback. Just, <laughs> and I was like, wow. But at that point, as you were saying, and we were Monterey had happened. The monkeys, or Mickey and Peter, saw him at the show and got him on the tour pretty quickly to do this monkeys tour, which was two weeks later after Monterey, or give or take. And so, you know, I had no idea the record hadn't come out in the States. I think there may have been a track record single in, in London. Don't even hey, know. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it makes sense. Well, I got another sidebar on Hey, Joe, but we can save that. <laughs> okay. it, we'll put it in line. I have so many tales we could keep you going. We'd have to do two <laughs> volumes just to get the opening year. So I'm going to try and skip through some of the details. Yeah, you know, usually at the end, I say, man, come back to tell us more. But I'm, I'm kind of telling you that right now in the first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're at well, the end of the first, uh, Bill. We we're at the end of the first. Match. We're yeah. at the end of the first hour of the July 28, 2021 oh, edition of Watt from Pedro Show with a special guest, Bill T. Miller. People, hold tight for hour two. Um, July 28, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Hey, you kings of feedback. Bye. 
Watch for Pedro Show start off the second hour with Kings of Feedback, right? Where Absolutely. Jimmy, where Jimmy launched his fucking guitar and fell into. You slack. And uh, off air, I heard some interesting thing. And Bill will enlighten you people in just a second. Uh, if Buana, Almargolis, a condensed history of religion, head boggle after that, discreet synth in Vuce, right? Flood, uh, Ciudad City. Lucas Abel out of Sydney, so we looking at a goose. And then finally, Drum Army with Motherland, Africa. Uh, okay. Good stuff. Yeah, both of these uh, things, projects are yours. You Slack. Absolutely. So, You Slack and Kill Bob, is that what you played? No. Good. Sorry, what'd you play? You Slack and what was the other one? Kill Bob? Uh, uh, Kings of Feedback, You Slack, and then Drum Army oh, with Motherland. I got you. So, cut. here's some more editing, but uh, jump in. Uh, you Slack by Kings of Feedback is a band that was basically an offshoot of the, of a band, of the band you heard earlier, OBE, and it was it was industrial blues, slack, sludge, noise, rock, because I, I, like you, I tried to destroy genres, and I, <laughs> they, so I had to have something, so I just mangled them all together. Sure. And one of the things we dabbled in, or I dabbled in mostly, was uh, the parody of J.R. Bob Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius, the anti-religion religion. And I was the king of slack, or I became the king of slack. Actually, I became possessed by the king of slack. And the musicians in that were doctors or healing doctors or sickening doctors. But I became sort of the purveyor of the anti-Bob, which is the guy among many people. There was many of us that went to try to destroy Bob. So, you know, to kill him, crucify him. So in the meantime... Learning from Bob as a salesman, we, I, me and my good friend Vernon, uh, Vernon Tart, who was from North Carolina, we would uh, we did a, a salesman, super salesman, because Bob was a, a slick salesman, and we sold used slacks, used slack for sale, and uh, so that's him and I going back and forth. And Vernon was a friend of mine in North Carolina who I met through records and weed, and basically I met him to trade some records, and uh, we hung out and uh, became good friends, and then. He he was my sort of record connection. He traded a lot of records and and with over in, with people in Europe. And years later, decades, many decades later, when I ended up in Boston, he, uh, I said, hey, he came by to hang, and he started. I said, what do you want to do? And he go, I don't give a f, you know. And I'd say, and then I got to tape that, so I sampled that. And next thing you know, we had a band, and I said, Kings of Feedback, and then, and so that's how that's the the fast word version of that. But if you go back in the time of that time list, the first thing yeah. that you played in the beginning of the day, or the first hour, was uh, me on ARP Odyssey Synthesizer in Hollywood, sure. California, when I lived there from, I was in California from 75 to 80. And I, and uh, basically, after doing a lot of dabblings, bouncing from to Atlanta, to eventually ended up hitchhiking out to California for a wild trip, and then uh, coming back to the East Coast, and then my dad was, had by then was writing a book on ecology and his editor, it's all about the chain of people. It's all about people in the end. And my, his book editor, brother-in-law, taught at a recording school, law at a recording school. And so he said, hey, you want to go to this school? Because I was basically about to become a, a, you know, no college, you know, the hell with it. Which you know, So he, I said, that sounds perfect. I'll become a recording engineer because I'd done sound and recording. And so I was in the, so I went to San Francisco, became a recording, well, I learned recording engineering and then got out of recording school in San Francisco. It was a great school. It was an actual place where great society with Grace Slick and Quicksilver and One Token Line was recorded and 
and when teachers were working professionals. So I got my quote unquote degree and lived in San Francisco for about a year. It was more like a tech school than a college. You know, it was all focused on music and law. And that's where my Hey Joe story comes in. Billy Roberts was there and did a did a oh, for wow. the lawyer and did a, a story about how um uh, how to how to get screwed in town publishing, but he eventually sorted it out. He gave us a talk. But fast forward to that because I know my brain's moving almost as fast as yours. And uh, I moved to L.A. because there's more gigs in L.A. And I end up getting the job at my first gig as professional was as a mixer. And even though I was a quote-unquote recording engineer by then, I uh, took a live sound gig at the Improv Club on Wel- on uh, Melrose, the Improv Comedy Club. Sure. And I was mixing on Friday before they did the, sh- the sh- comedy shows between like 7 and 10. They had Harry Chapin, a musical play that featured Chapin music. I mean, Chapin didn't perform it, even though he came to an earlier performance. So I ended up the live sound guy there. He got killed, in a, ter- he got killed in a terrible car thing. Oh no! I, yeah, I, I forgot that. I, I probably like, have it in the back. I think he was like squ- in, in a little rabbit or some of a, a, a tiny Volkswagen between two semi trucks. Oh wow! I'm sorry. I, that's just tragic. I think very so. tragic. I think so. My yeah. memory. But, but anyway, so, we, so it, you're 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 mixing. Uh, it was it, live it, sound. It, it was yeah, but uh, this the show was using his music. Yeah, it was all his music, and they had a, a musical theater, and the backing band was some jazz cats from the Baked Potato up in the valley. Oh yeah, Ventura Boulevard, yeah. the Baked Potato. And uh, and so and so that was my first professional gig. That's when I became a pro. This was nineteen seventy seven or yeah, early seventy seven. So I you think. started as a mixer man. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and that's—I never made me. Oh, yeah. you don't know how important that is at gigs. People really undervalue. Yeah, he's. I always say, hey, you want to be the fourth member of our band? When I meet the mixer man, he, that's the most Absolutely. critical thing when you get to the gig on tour. You know, hey, you want to be a member of our band for tonight? Exactly. Well, I mean, I—I started as a recording engineer, but the first opportunity when I moved to L.A. was in the first job, real paying job that you yeah. know, and they paid. $25 for two shows. So I was making twelve fifty a night for a two-hour show. <laughs> so I was rolling in dough. Oh, and I remember on, the then, 70s. I was, um, one of my jobs, washing dishes, $1.20 an hour. So yeah. I, was, I was up there with you. Look, I'm going to play... Did, uh, I did that a little. I did a, a dishwasher thing. was a, at a college once in my early gig, too. We could yeah. throw them in the machine, mostly. They had a little sprayer. But yeah. so so and and at, at the improv club on Melrose and and Hollywood, the uh, I, I got to do a big band on Sunday. They had a big band afternoon. I did Bill Toll big band and Stan Kitten big band Stan one afternoon Kent. or one evening. Supposedly the loud, loudest swing band there ever was. You gave me this. Uh, wow. Is this your real brother, Greg? Yeah, that's Shim my brother, Shim. Greg. Okay, let's play this. Shim Sham. Good.
teeth. You sow sheep up and down and all around. Back tight. I just might. To some people is music to others.
unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with Brothers Greg and B.T. Miller. Shim Sham. And after that, Sam Lockward featuring Toby Goodshank with I Can See Nothing. Bob Bucko Jr., third and final act. Done deal. I think Pedro, hardcore man. Rules Hearts Bones. Backseat Bingo. I Just Might. You know, this is a seven inch I found. Few tours ago in the boat that got oh. back in the shape, and then finally orgy and noise with. I, I think this is like a statement here. Noise is music. Exactly. <laughs> What's well, noise to some people is music to others. Absolutely. Is what somebody think, said. A radio interviewer said that to me in the in the in the nineties. Well, John Cage was saying something about if you're having a conversation with somebody. And yeah. it could be the most bitching fucking music going on, but it's noise because it's interrupting your spiel. <laughs> exactly. It's all relative, right? Now, tell me about your brother. So my brother, I had, I'm the oldest brother of three. I have two younger brothers. And if you go back in the, and rewind and we'll flashback to, to the, uh, uh, got, got that Beatles record, threw that on. My mom's there again with the Super 8. And I've set up this thing where I'm playing a tennis racket. My middle brother, David's playing a tennis racket. And my <laughs> Younger brother, Greg, who was like two years old, I've made him a little plastic trash can drum kit. And my mom got some dowel sticks from the hardware store. We didn't have real sticks. And, and so he's on drums and she shot this footage and we're playing lip syncing to some Beatle record. And so and, and, and the brother, Greg, the younger one, he's the one that really became a musician. And in many ways, like brothers can do, and we'll say it politely, copycat. Or, I'm sorry. Inspiration was the polite way to say it. Yeah, yeah. So I, so he became now he's a working musician and play, bass player and guitar player. So he, so so that's the track you just heard was us maybe ten years ago in his studio in North Carolina uh, set up and we did an improv where we played you know homemade instruments and that goes back to the first band we had when we were in the living room we we're playing the tennis racket. So then twenty in two thousand six, decades after nineteen sixty six when the racket band happened with my two brothers. Right. I'm I'm getting rackets out again <laughs> and getting toy pianos out and kind of rebuilding all the stuff well, I yeah, did well, you back. You did then. the big fucking loop. 
Exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm building wow, instruments from toy pianos and, and trash cans and yeah. junk junk pots and pans. And so I'm and this is like decades later. So we and recorded your, that. And with your brother, it's, that's beautiful. Look yeah, with the, the younger brother. Well, the, the younger middle brother, brother would join in here and there too. He yeah. would say, I play the radio. I don't want to that's, cut that's everybody what I out. I, I'm sorry about that. We're at the end of the second hour, July 28, 2021 edition. Watt Peter's special guest, Bill T. Miller. Hold tight for hour three. July 28, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. I feel like I'm going back in time, but everything looks like it's up now.
direction than everyone. As I see my life, I see an hourglass, and most of the grains of sand are on the bottom. And I just, every grain now is more precious than it ever was. As I see my life, I see an hourglass, and most of the grains of sand are on the bottom. And I just, every grain now is more precious than it ever was. As I see my life, I see an hourglass, and most of the grains of sand are on the bottom. And I just, every grain now is more precious.
Watch the Pedro Show. We start off the third hour with Bill T. Miller doing Hourglass at Modular on the Spot AVL. Asheville, North Carolina. Modular on the Spot. Ah, okay, okay. Keep on with the... I didn't know that acronym there. And then then, uh, Joe Morris and Damon Smith, Waves of Extension. Carl 2000 with Meadowlands. And then finally, Bill T. Miller. Morning Maniac Music. You know, we're we're into the third hour of the show, and I have never... I mean, we got into the tennis racket thing finally, but you making music, was there any of that stuff going on? Like I I started to ask you about after school, but not graduating. In the afternoon, did you do the bedroom band, basement band, garage band? Absolutely. Obviously with your brothers, right? So we're in Virginia in 66... And we're doing the tennis racket, junk, junk drums and tennis racket, sort of rock band fake. But then we moved to Virginia, I mean, from Virginia to North Carolina, where my dad's teaching chemistry at another college there. And uh, I started a band. Actually, the first day we moved, I had paperback writer single and the neighbor comes down and he wants to go play baseball. And I'm just burning paperback. Really, really I was more rain, but burning that over and over. And he, and, and he ended up becoming uh, his a guitar player and uh and him and I started a band called Electric Onion, the Electric Onion. And what were and you was, playing, Bill? And I was well. Here's the trippy part. So he was a guitar player, and, and and in some ways he was my inspiration, but in other ways it was like me realizing, oh man, this is not as easy as it looks. Because he, <laughs> whatever he, we, he would pick a riff up by ear and nail it. Boop, he had it and he was yeah. playing it, and and so he became rhythm and lead. We both had guitars, silver tone guitars. Ah, so okay. he played so he played rhythm and lead. And I played bass and rhythm on my guitar. So that's when I really became a bass player at that point. Even oh. though I'm doing it on a, on a guitar with a pick, but I'm playing, sometimes I play the bass part, sometimes I play the rhythm. And he's doing rhythms and leads. So it's called the Electric Onion. And, you know, it was like we played all the classic songs of that era. Now, uh, now Bill, did you guys have a drummer, man? So we, so... I tried to get one of my brothers. I tried to get my middle brother to play drums. He wasn't. He didn't want to do it. So I, we heard about a kid down the street, and at that point, I was already trying to. Fit, I was already saving to get a snare. I saved up green stamps with my mom I remember to get a snare stump, snare drum, a Rogers Red snare drum. So we had a drum. We heard this kid down the street had a kick drum. It was a plastic toy kick drum. It turns out. So we grab him in the band. Him in the band. And there's a Polaroid taken of that, which what do you mean you clarifies grab them, the memory. Is it like we the, said, the hey, Royal Navy with the press gang where you just round up drunks? <laughs> You're in the Navy now. Well, quite not, not that exciting. We just said, hey, you want to play drums in a rock band? And, and so we grab him and he plays. And there's a Polaroid that my mom took again that cements that memory in my head. And we're playing Beatles, Monkeys, Hendrix, Stones, Cream, uh, Wipeout, Louie Louie, Wild Thing, Trogs, uh, Hendrix. And that's kind of like uh, Animals. Uh, you didn't do any. Sixty-eight. Uh, yeah, but what what I mean is, yeah, that was the era. You didn't really write original stuff. You tried to copy. Yeah. Yeah. And I wished we. I wish I'd had the sense to write some songs. No, then. but that's the big difference with today. Now you got kids. You know, I have them on the show when they're, they they start writing. I think it, it's it's kind of a zeitgeist of a time. If you if nobody tells you that that's happening, you don't know to do it. Exactly. And I, I wish I had an older brother or something, but I, I did. I learned a lot. I was in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina, so I, I managed to make it through a lot. And then we dragged my brother in, and I used the word affectionately, for, but, you know, <laughs> remember 
drummer of the racket band from 66 two years later sweet and he comes in and he's just gotten this little toy guitar or toy real guitar and, and he we jam him up on the to do vocals on stepping stone and so he sings wow. out and then he you know he was just like special guest and it was crazy the monkeys, you know? the monkeys the monkeys and the monkeys really were as you as you know were really more real i mean the beatles were living the rock star life where the monkeys couldn't pay their rent, the, you know, couldn't, the gigs getting canceled, the girls are messing with them, the, the, you know, mishaps, whereas the Beatles sort of, they had mishaps, but it was the rock star mishaps. It was something <laughs> I was never going to obtain, and, and, or at least then I thought I might have, but now I realize okay. this is as close as I get. So. <laughs> you gave me this stuff called Zonculator. Let's listen. Oh, well, get zonked. <laughs>
Watford Pedro Show last music for this edition. Zonculator with Free Noise. Then Derek Moneypenny with The Tamarisk. And finally, Bill T. Miller. Non-event at home drone. Beautiful. Enlighten us to Zonculator. Zonculator is an offshoot of Orgy of Noise. If we went through, so basically, it's test equipment and extreme noise mostly. So it's like, you know, ancient oscillators and test equipment and circuit bit toys. So if you go through the lineage, basically after those early days, I became a recording engineer and did that for really from 76 to 77 to until turn of the decade when everybody became a recording engineer. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I always did bands on the side. So the first band was in the 8990 OBE, which you played some of. The next one was Kings of Feedback, and none of the bands broke up. They just they just kind of went on the sideshow. And then Drum Army was part of that 90s era. And all during that 80s, 90s, I was working as a recording engineer, recording bands from hardcore bands like Drop Dead and, Dis- and, and, and Disrupt and Grief. And then somewhere in there, I recorded uh, for SST, No Man uh, with Roger oh, Miller. Roger Miller. Yeah, right. And so I recorded that, and then he eventually barred my OBE drummer, and then and Roger played on some of the OBE tracks, and then somewhere in there, uh, Roger brought in Xylo, which is on your band's your your New Alliance label. I'm looking; it was number fifty-one. Roger Miller's No Man is in, and uh, Roger Miller. Well, by that time, New Alliance was Greg Ginn. Yeah. So anyway, so I, yeah, I was because I was going wait new alliance. So anyway, that yeah, did Roger with that. Up, we only went up to twenty eight, and then it was just too much for oh, him, so Greg Ginn, nice. and, and it became a lot of uh, spoken word stuff. I, I know Roger did a lot of stuff for him, like uh, yeah, he no did more. Man, than... uh, I know he worked with Martin BC also. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, well, actually, I don't know, but I, I know Martin of Martin because he worked at, at everybody. He's a brilliant. Yeah. And then later I recorded Melt Banana from Japan sure. and, and Reg Bloor. It was a friend of mine. And she came Reg in and did Bloor, a yeah, camp, yeah. And on and on and on. I, you know, Glenn well, Jones well, from well, Cul-de-Sac. Well, Glenn Branca, he, yeah. he told me he, he spent a lot of time in Boston. In fact, he told me his favorite rock band was Aerosmith. <laughs> that makes sense. I can see. It's sort of like the way Lester Bangs, the critic, you know, loves yeah. Lou Reed, but, he, but, you know, really his hope was in Burton Cummings and Guess Who, which brings back <laughs> your, your roots. He kind of looked like Burton Cummings <laughs> a little bit with that mustache. And so it, so that was my main gig. And then finally, the la- lately, I, and so 80, 89, 90, I was like, I got to get back into it. If they're calling this music, what am I doing? Give me, you know, I'm going back into it. So I did that. And then I went back to the synthesizers at some point because – uh, you could do it all yourself, and it was kind of like an engineer's thing. You're twiddling knobs, and yeah. so that's what what you're hearing. When I was in, um, uh, I played the module on the spot, which is an all synthesizer concert with the crew from Make Noise in Asheville at the Black Mountain Museum uh, there. And uh, I right, I, I had the, the direct, I had the director of that pad on the show. Oh yes, I saw that. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, and, great, and cat, I, great cat. Great cat. And I saw, and then I did, and so, I, and I got into circuit bent toys back, way back, you know, on a couple of decades ago, which is robots and speaking spells and Casios that have been modified to, to go crazy. So that seemed to fit in with the synthesizers. <laughs> and, and then the, the thing you heard with the um, uh, non-event was synthesizers, and I started building kind of electroacoustic gizmos where you use circuit, bo- um, 
cigar boxes and it goes back to me modifying the tennis racket and the trash can drums and sort of like things that are just acoustic junk instruments that you turn into music yeah so yeah, that it, yeah so that was is, doing all that music is in the ear of the beholder it's so crazy where, man. Where, uh, bill where can people find you because we're running out of time here where can people find you on the internet Direct shot is BillTMiller.com. Okay, people. B-I-L-L-T-M-I-L-L-E-R.com. And from there, you probably got links to all your other stuff. I got I, every band that I just named and more I have a domain name for. And, and I also started BTM TV because people call me BTM, Bill T. Miller. So BTM TV. Okay. And that's basically takes you to my YouTube. So if you're a visual person, you, you just dig into the video straight up. Right. Look, and then the orgy of noise is where the crazy noise is. I gotta have you back on the show because we ran out of fucking time, and you've got buttloads of fucking stuff to share with us. You are so cool, and I appreciate you sharing your spotlight with all these great artists. I I know a a dozen, a couple dozen of the people that you've you've had on lately. I love what you're doing. I love your bass tales, and I got some more bass tales for you. Okay, okay. So I'm going to schedule up at, so probably sometime at the end of December. Please come back. I'm in. Okay, bro. Anytime. People, it's been the July 28, 2021 edition of Watt Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.